Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of uh, Inspiration Nation. I'm here with Bernadette Abraham. Hello, Bernadette. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Very good. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Bernadette is a certified wellness coach, um, and we'll be talking about how, well, first of all, what her job is and if she like how she enjoys it, what's the best part of it, and all nitty-gritty details, as well as her new book that is soon to be released, Unjump. Um, so first of all, as I mentioned before, you're a certified wellness coach, and you have over 20 years of health and fitness experience. Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel about this job so far? Do you enjoy what you do? Yeah, very much so. And it's been a, a learning journey throughout. And wellness coach is a very broad category uh, because I, I don't really know how to call myself because I've earned many titles over the years. And ultimately, what my job is, is to educate people, to empower them to become healthier and to take ownership of their health and to take control over their health. So whatever title you want to give that, right? So I've um, worked in nutrition, I've worked in fitness, and now most recently, I'm focusing on functional medicine. Uh, so that's, um, that's a little bit of a background in terms of the title that I have and what I do with people and, and how I help people. Um, speaking of education, obviously, you pretty much are the person with the most experience I've ever met. Um, so yeah. what kind of subjects or courses um, do you have to take on to get a certificate like that as well as kind of lead down your career path? Yeah, I think, well, my story was, it wasn't straightforward. I never knew that this is what I was going to be doing from the start. And I think that's very important for younger children to understand that you may not know what it is that you want to do. And there's a lot of adults who still don't know what it is that they want to be doing in life. And for me, it was always a passion. So health and fitness was always a passion. And as a young child, I was actually a competitive athlete. So even in all of my schooling, sports played a very big role. So I was a competitive gymnast. I was a competitive track athlete. I made the Canadian junior national team. And then obviously because of injuries, I was no longer able to play those sports. So instead, I turned to coaching. And that was my first, I I would say, the first start of my coaching journey. Because I was 16 years old and I was actually coaching children as young as three up to 12 years, so not much younger than me. And so that was really the start of my coaching career. So I started coaching gymnastics, I started coaching track and field, and then I even started teaching adults. I learned kickboxing, I did martial arts, and then I started teaching Tai Bo classes at the time, which was all the rage back then, which is like kickboxing mixed with aerobics. And and then in university, so here's the funny thing is I've always had this love for sports and health, And in university, I decided to study computer engineering, which is completely opposite to what somebody with a passion for health and fitness should be studying. And so even throughout university in my studies, I was still teaching students, university students, uh, kickboxing classes and fitness classes. So it was always my love. Um, And then I graduated as a computer engineer and I worked in the field for about two years but I hated every single minute of it. I was bored. You know, I didn't want to be programming and dealing with computers. I wanted to deal, I wanted to deal with people. I'm a people person. I want, and even at my job, you know, I was still helping people on the side because that was truly always my calling and my mission. 
And so when I had my first son, um, I retired as an engineer. So I only worked in engineering for two years. I retired. And then that's when I decided to pursue my education in something that I genuinely love, which is health and fitness. So I got my master's um, in exercise science and health promotion. And then from there, it opened the doors. I became a certified personal trainer. I started training people for 20 some years, personal training, some VIPs, very VVIPs even. And um, that really got me to learn about people and how to interact with people and, and how to help people because you can have all the knowledge in the world, but you have to meet people where they're at. You know, So if you're meeting someone who eats junk food and fast food every single day, you can't expect them to start eating broccoli and chicken for dinner that they cook themselves. Yeah. So you have to meet them where they are. And that's something that I gained with experience of working people one-on-one aside from the education. And, you know, it was all good and great, but there was always a few clients who, despite the best exercise and diet that they were following to a T still couldn't lose weight or still had aches and pains that weren't going away. So I knew there was something more to it. I knew there was something more to just diet and exercise for health. And so I returned to the books and I studied some more and I became a nutritional therapy practitioner, which means I help people address their health concerns, the little aches and pains and symptoms that they experience using food as medicine, using food as therapy. And, um, and then from there, that really unlocked a whole new set of doors for me and opportunities because I was really able to help people on a much deeper level, more than diet and exercise alone. And so that led me to functional medicine so that I can um, address the root cause of people's health concerns using food, lifestyle, modalities to really help them reverse their what we call dis-ease. So whatever labels that they've been given, there's a reason for it. And so what I do now is to help people reverse that and bring back to optimal health. And so that's kind of been my, my journey with studying. And I, I always say I'm, I'm the forever student. So hashtag forever student. That's me. Um, it requires constant learning, constant education. So I will always dedicate every day, even if I have a big full client workload, every day I'll either read uh, a study or I'll listen to a webinar or I'll grab a book. Every day I'm learning something new. And in this field, you have to constantly be learning because you realize that as much as you know, there's still so much more to learn. So I call myself the forever student and I'm still in school and I'm still studying. <laughs> wow, that's a very incredible journey. Um, very, very intelligent. You must be a very intelligent person. Um, and you know so much. <laughs> um, and you teach and you help all of these people. So my next question for you is how well does your mental health have to be to take on um, teaching people um, and training people, coaching people, as well as learning different things, um, different facts? So what's the mindset that helped you become successful? Um, absolutely. It's, it's the most critical piece. And it wasn't until I started meditating on a regular basis um, that things started to fall into place because I became very lost at one point. Um, in terms of what I want to do with my career and how I wanted to be helping people, um, especially after doing personal training for a number of years, I felt a little bit lost. I felt like I had reached what I was supposed to reach 
and I was supposed to be heading in another direction and I was a little bit lost. And so I turned to meditation and really everybody has the answers within themselves. If they just sit quietly and reflect on it and actually ask for answers, they will come to you. And so meditation was a very, very big part and still is a big part of my success and my journey. Uh, because all of the answers lie within us if we are quiet enough and ask and reflect on it because I'm a big believer in manifestation. So whatever I want to achieve, whatever it is that I set out that I want to do, I think about it, I visualize it and it manifests and anybody, anybody can achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. I don't believe in the word impossible. I believe anything is possible if you actually see the outcome, visualize the outcome and then things start to fall in place as a result. And being in the role that I am as a coach, it's very important for myself to be grounded and to be in a good mental state because otherwise you can't pour from an empty cup. If I'm tired, if I'm sick, if I'm ill, if I'm not taking care of myself, I can't take care of others. So I'm very much, I, I very much practice what I preach so that I could be at the best of my game to be able to help others. So mindset is critical. Yeah, and it sounds like you always like think one step ahead. So if I'm not, you see, so it's like thinking, I'm if I'm not well, I can't help others become well. Mm-hmm. Can with when you spoke about your meditation, you have to med- you meditate on a regular basis. Uh, you study mm-hmm. and you say mindset is key. Can anybody become a wellness coach, or do you need a particular set of traits to become one? No, absolutely. I think you have to have the passion and you have to have the desire to genuinely help people. This this is the spark that I have. This is my mission. This is what wakes me up every morning. This is where the very first thought as soon as I wake up goes to. And so I really believe if you're in it for the money or if you're in it because parents are pushing you to go into healthcare to become a doctor for the title or for all of the wrong reasons, Uh, because you have to give in this profession. So you have to genuinely want to be helping people get better and making and wanting to make an impact Um, because it does take a lot of you, you know? So when I consult with clients, it's very draining. And so I have to learn how to, especially if you're an empath, meaning you can really feel people's emotions and you take it on board. You have to learn how to let that go because it can be very draining on you to hear other people's stories and to hear other people's concerns. And if you're a very empathetic person and you take that on yourself, that becomes very stressful. So it's also, you know, if you're someone who cannot disconnect and who cannot shrug it off and see the bigger picture and your role in that relationship, then it can be very taxing on you as well. It's very um, emotionally draining as well to be in that position as a coach. So you have to kind of have the heart, the desire to do it, and also be able to know where and how to draw the line and separate yourself and take time away when you need to take time away to recharge so that you come back and and give all that you can give. That's actually like very, very deep and it's <clears throat> very very well spoken. So moving on, you have a um, social media page, you've got a website. So taking a look at your social media platform, how do you feel that your identity amongst the social community has helped you branch out your goal to help others? Social media is a key driving 
force actually for it's it's my main um it's one of the main ways that i um uh, reach out to people and they become clients those that want to work one on one with me social media has been that driving force for me and has been really been able to open up a lot more opportunities um it it took me about a year to really grow my account from less than 2000 to above 10000 and then after i reached that above 10000 mark and it required a lot of consistency and dedication and really listening to what works and what doesn't work um it wasn't easy it's not easy to grow a page and i did it organically i never did any paid ads i never bought likes i never bought followers because that wasn't my intention my intention is not to have a platform just to have a big set of numbers and a lot of likes my intention was to genuinely help people through the information that i'm providing in the platform and people feel that and people see that and this is what's attracting people to my page um and that's how they're finding me so yes there's always referrals so once a client works with me then they tell their mom and their dad and their friends and their cousins and so there's that generating um that part of marketing of getting clients is through referrals of existing clients but then there's also the social media people are seeing the value that i'm providing in these posts and reaching out to work with me one on one so uh from that aspect it's been great because it's uh, business generating um but also my reach and the ability to have a voice and to be able to reach more people because there's only a certain number of people that i can work with one on one so now that i've become um have a full practice and i actually have a waiting list it's now created the need for me to to scale so i'm actually looking at uh launching soon a membership program where those who can't work with me one on one either because they can't afford it or because i'm fully booked and it's really you know they they don't want to wait the opportunity to actually um get into a more closed circle as a group to be able to ask questions in a group format um and to be able to help a larger audience as well so really social media has been able to as and i'm still working on it to grow my voice to grow the education that i'm providing to um really my my goal with this is to improve as many lives as possible and the the, the bigger my account grows the more people are going to get access to the information the more people i am helping so the good you give out the good pretty much comes back to you in a way that the feeling of success that you've helped someone that you've improved someone's life yeah absolutely so, so for me that's my uh that's the best thank you that i can ever have is when somebody uh takes a piece of information and implements it into their lives and it makes a change and they come back and they tell me about that change it's the most fulfilling feeling ever for me that's like the best thank you i can ever get that's perfect so with that um do you feel because you've made a lot of relationships and um friendships over the years do you feel that the relationships you've made over the course of your career um has deemed beneficial and why do you think that is well actually that's interesting because because i genuinely care about my client's health i don't just see this as a business because i actually genuinely care that they become well and they feel that care and they feel that love and many many i could say probably most of my clients end up becoming very close friends you know 
Um, and and there's you know initially when you're working with with a client, you have to remain, you have to keep boundaries. And after a while, those boundaries tend to get blurred because it goes from the client um, practitioner relationship to more of a friendship, especially when they become well and they're just kind of maintaining their health and they want to stay in touch with you. You develop a friendship with these uh, clients, you know. Um, so I have many client friends uh, through this process. So it's like a built trust relationship. You do yeah, so well absolutely. and they trust you enough to actually become your friend. Yeah. Yeah, because they share, I mean, in these sessions, they really open up to me. And so they often share things and confidentiality is a big factor in what I do. And they they trust that I'm not going to go and gossip and chatter and talk about their case to other people. And so they confide in me. And so they will share information that even their spouse, their partners, their parents don't know. You know, so that they they have they feel like they have a safe place where they could come and share information, and uh, I, I kind of also become like a confidant, you know, not more than more than a coach as well. <laughs> yeah, I like the sound of that because I follow your page and I look at your website and I see a lot of facts on there, and I know that well, I can just feel it that like you've helped so many people, and this information you're putting out. Um, about the body, about different foods you can eat to help your body will benefit many more people, even though they may not become clients. Exactly. Exactly. And that's my goal is to reach as many people as possible. And those who cannot work with me, I still want them to benefit, even if they're not working with me one-on-one. What would you say um, inspired you to want to go down the path of helping others um, to lead healthier and happier lives? Uh, it's always been that inner desire to help people and wanting to get to the bottom of why they're not well. That's really my driving force. Um, that's what led me to continue to research. That's what led me to continue to learn, um, to continue to study. And that's what still continues today. I mean, my clients and, and even my followers, for example, who send me questions that I don't know about, right? There's still many things that I don't know. I don't know everything. And the things that I don't know my desire to help is what drives me to actually go learn and to go understand what is that and how can I possibly help with whatever it is that they're asking. So that desire to help um, is what drives me to continue to learn. And that's my inspiration. You are probably one of the few people in the world who genuinely want to help people. Most people are in it for business, um, money, but you I don't meet a lot of people every day who are like you, who generally want to help people. And when I do meet them, I think this is the best thing God can give me. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and uh, for me, definitely for me, money is second. It's a bonus. Helping someone is truly the main uh, driving factor. It's not money. Um, and so some business people would look at this and say, you know, she's uh, not a very good business person. But let me tell you, when you actually do something from love and with genuine care, the money follows. Uh, and I'll just give you a simple example. I have so many people who reach out to me and say, you've helped me so much. And you take the time to answer my questions and you never ask for anything. Can I can I do you have a, a Venmo account or, you know, like a PayPal account where I can give you money? <laughs> you know, they're actually they're actually. Um, 
offering, you know, without me even asking, <laughs> they're, they're just offering to give me money. And I'm like, that's okay. You know, you being well is, is good enough for me. And it comes back. It, it definitely comes back in many other ways. Uh, so, yeah. You know, the saying, what goes around comes around. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. When you give, it comes back to you threefold. That's what they say. Talking about um, how you help others um, through your social accounts by then becoming your clients. You also have another way to help others. You have your first book on the way, Unjunk. Um, can mm-hmm. you give us a brief as to what the book will cover? Who's your target audience? Why have you targeted them? Okay, so obviously working with adult clients is a completely different issue than dealing with children. Now, I have four kids, like you guys. And so I, as a, as a healthcare practitioner, have all this experience and knowledge to be able to help people be healthy. And here I am as a mother struggling with my own kids because I realized that society today is not on parents' side to raise healthy eaters, to raise healthy kids because society is full of junk food. Society is full of temptations and sugar and a lifestyle that does not lead to health. And we're starting to see that in numbers. You know, there's more childhood diabetes today. There's more childhood cancers. There's more allergies. Um, And if we even look in the adult population, the younger adult population, there's more and more infertility issues. It's on the rise. So people are not able to have children as much as they used to. And so all of these problems are just starting to surface because the underlying, of course, there's many root causes for this, but food is one of the primary driving forces behind all of this. And one day, one of my clients, I realized, um, one of my clients asked me, she's like, she has an obese son. And she said, you know, what do you feed your children? And how can you help my son eat better? And several other people have asked me the same thing. And I went, when she said it, you know, a light bulb went off and I went, that's it. I said, I've always wanted to write a book. I never knew about what. And I've always wanted to reach out to the masses. And I thought, this is how. This is how I want to reach more people, especially people who have children. So the book is catered to um, parents and children because the book is written in a style that it's a learn to teach. So I teach the parents. In many chapters, there's like a section where the the parent reads it. And then there's a... um, basically a script that the parent will read to the children in a very friendly way that the child will understand. So, so it's a learn to teach book and it's both for parents and children. And it's a a transformation journey from really trying to educate because this is how you make change. When you bring awareness into somebody's, you know, consciousness, that's when change will happen before they even have that awareness, you cannot drive change without awareness. The first step to correcting a problem is knowing that the problem exists. And that's the problem with society today is we don't realize the magnitude of the problem that we're facing today. So Unjunk, How to Raise Healthy Eaters in a Processed World, aims to do that through education, through awareness, and by giving you very practical, hands-on tips and solutions to start implementing at home because it begins at home. And then I also give strategies on how to deal with the resistance to change. I talk about the food industry and how really, 
you know, how did how did our food, um, the foods that we see in the supermarket, you know, all the products that are there, how did we come to be from farming food and growing our own food to packaged products labeled as healthy and all of these labels about organic. So the whole food industry has really changed in a span of 100 years. And with it has come health consequences. So I go through the history of the food industry and I make people aware about all these different labels and what to look for and what to avoid. Um, and then I also give solutions on how to face the outside world. So if you're at home and you've brought in all the healthy stuff that you could bring into the home and you're starting to implement that home, well, what happens when that child goes to school or they go to a birthday party or they go to their friends' houses or they go hang out in the mall, right? When they're outside of that environment at home, all of it can go out the window. So how to deal with that, I provide strategies also. And I actually ask for society to collectively join forces and create a change. Because if it's just one person, nothing happens. But we, if we all get on board, then change can really happen. Would you say that um, the, the fact that the food industry has changed so much and that the youth generation um, is being affected by it greatly and parents may not know how to handle it as well. Do you think that was the motivation for you to write this book? It was my own frustration and the, and the shared frustration of other parents where you want to be feeding your kids healthy foods, but society is always getting in the way, whether it's a relative that purposely, you know, wants to give your kids chocolate and chips and whatever food and they'll say, it's okay, they're kids. It's okay. Or, you go to school and the school has a function and they're selling donuts for a bake sale or um, they have a function and then parents are asked to bring food and your plate is the only vegetable platter amongst donuts and chips and candies and cookies and cakes, right? There's, a, there's something wrong with that picture when my platter is the only true food amongst everything else. And when people actually think that that's okay, there's a problem there. So it was my frustration of going, oh my God, I'm trying to raise healthy kids, but everything and everyone around me is not helping. Even the schools, right? When schools should be a little bit more strict about what is brought into the schools. Think about birthday parties. What is being offered at birthday parties? What has made birthday parties synonymous with junk food? Okay, I understand you wanna have a cake, you wanna celebrate, but it goes beyond that today. You know, it's fast food and candies and sugar galore. And then when they leave, they leave with a goodie bag filled with candies as well. And then you have restaurants. Look at any restaurant and look at the menu for children's menu. What is offered? Junk food, pizza, burgers, fries. Surely kids know how to eat other foods. But this is what society has now created for children growing up. And it's everywhere. And then you have the Hallmark Holidays. So you start with Christmas, for example. What comes with Christmas? Well, you can't have Christmas without candy canes and, uh, you know, Santa chocolates. And then after that, then you have New Year's. Well, New Year's is a celebration. And now what do we have coming? We have Valentine's Day. You can't say I love you without heart-shaped candies, can you? And then you have Easter. Well, of course, you can't have Easter without chocolate bunny eggs. And then it's the summer. Well, it's the summer. It's a vacation. You should let go a little. And then you have September, the start of the school year, where they say it's back to school and they start throwing all the, you know, the bars, the cereal bars and the snack bars for school and kids. 
and then and then Halloween, right? And then Halloween candy lasts several months, and then it rolls right back into Christmas again. So there's always a bombardment of junk food and opportunities for sugar in today's society, and not many people realize this. And so this is what I aim to showcase and help break. So it's like a never-ending cycle. Mm-hmm. And it's very frustrating. And it was my frustration as a mom trying to raise healthy kids. Because at one point, you become the mean parent, always saying no, always saying no, right? So at one point, you either give up and just continue with what everyone else is doing, or you go, no, I have to make a change. This isn't right. And I chose to take that path. And so I also changed the way I parent. So rather than always saying no to my kids, I said, okay, you want chips? I'm going to get you the chips with the better ingredients that doesn't have, you know, the um, um, sunflower oil or hydrogenated oils. Instead, I'm going to get you one with coconut oil or extra virgin olive oil and only three ingredients instead of a list that has 16 with artificial flavors and colors, right? So I took that approach where I was like, okay, you want ice cream? Fine. Let's find one that has minimal ingredients, whole food ingredients, and no preservatives and chemicals, but still tastes pretty good and decent. So I found that middle ground approach. And that's the approach that I share with other parents um, to hopefully, you know, not be the mean parent all the time and have the rebellion that will happen as a result. Because if you say no, no, no to your children all the time, and that's something that happened with, with my daughter when she was younger, you know, I told her she could never have candies. We never brought candies at home. And then when she go to a birthday party, she binged on candies. And then she came back one night and threw up and she was so sick. And I asked her, what did you eat? And, you know, she said, she told me what she ate. And I messaged the mom and I said, was there any healthy food, you know, available? It was all junk food. But what I realized is it was only my daughter who got sick. None of the other kids got sick. So I started asking myself, why was it just her? Does she have an extra sensitive stomach? And I went, no, it's because she overdid it. Because she's not allowed to have it. Then when she could have it, she overdid it. And so I realized that my approach was wrong. And so this is also something that I share, you know, through my failed experiences as a parent, I help show parents another way to feed their kids in a way that won't lead to rebellion and that will still help them get healthier. So after that experience, my daughter learned a very hard lesson um, to not binge on candies. And the next birthday party she went to, uh, she was proud to come back and tell me, you know, she's like, okay, I had this, but I only had a little bit and she was fine. So uh, lessons to be learned all around for both parents and kids. That is a very inspiring story. It's very full of, it's full of facts, full of mistakes that you learn from. Um, Mm -hmm. And I understand writing a book is difficult. So Mm -hmm. what kind of mindset do you have to have to actually write a book like this about healthy food, about um, unjunking yourself, about literally how you can make yourself healthier and why you should. Yeah. Um, just like the, the question that you asked me about what inspires me to, to, to be helping people um, or to get into that field. Same thing with the book. You have to have a very strong fire in you and you have to have a very clear purpose and mission. So my mission with this book is to help parents raise healthy eaters in the current world that we live in because it's very difficult. and. Um, I basically pooled all of my experience and knowledge. And I realized that this book, even though it took me, you know, an actual year to write it, 
it's been in the making, I can say, for the past 10 years. Because it's not just the one year of writing, but it's based on my experiences as a mother of four, my experiences as a practitioner, as a coach, as an athlete, growing up even. All of this experience kind of came together and is is what has made this book. So you really have to have that strong desire again and that mission and that purpose of what is it that I want to be doing with this book? What is the message that I want to be getting out to the world with this book, because let me tell you, it is a very, very lonely process. You're alone with your thoughts and there's always doubt. So every word you write, you think, how are they gonna take this? Are they gonna take it the wrong way? Are they gonna understand it? How should I say it better, right? So it's a very lonely process and it's a very time consuming process and you need to have support. So I would not have been able to write this book if it wasn't for um, my nannies at home and my husband, who I was literally a very absent parent for one year. And it caused a lot of strain on our family because mom is usually the center of the family and everybody relies on mom. But to, to birth this, literally to birth this book, um, it requires you to withdraw from the world and society. I, I didn't have a social life. I didn't see or talk to friends. I didn't have time to even speak to my parents. Uh, it was a very... Um, dedicated process <laughs> you have to be very dedicated and consistent and um and, and 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 retreat you have to really retreat and be in your own little world for a while before you could come back out yeah i completely get it you can't just wake up one morning and say i want to write a book sit down in front of your computer or notebook and just start writing yeah. you've got to have an idea you've got to know what you want to do and why you're going to do it like, and you need the support system especially definitely. if you have a family you need to know that it's going to require your full-time effort and energy. You can't do anything else. So my final question for you, question I really want to know most, is when can we expect this book? When can we expect mm-hmm. Unjunk to be out in the world? Well, the, question, the answer to this question when people ask me is when it's ready to come out into the world. When the world feels that this book is ready for it, it will come out. Because it was actually supposed to be out last year, last November. Um, And then the pandemic hit was supposed to come out in March and then the pandemic hit. So it was actually the previous year, the previous November. (laughs) Um, And then, then we, we set the date to March because it wasn't ready for November. Then we set the new date for March, but then the pandemic hit and it wasn't the time to launch the book. Um, And then, you know, the rest, you know, the, you know, the way we've been in lockdowns and can't travel. So it's not the right time to be releasing the book. So we realize it's a sign that it's, it's a probably good idea to keep perfecting the book, to keep working on it, take our time a little bit more. And when we feel it's the right time for it to come out, hopefully 2021 will be the year. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Bernadette, thank you so much. Unfortunately, this is all the time we've got left. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks uh, for having me on. It was a pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.